1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hi, I'm Alex Merrill. Welcome to the Inspirati. I've enlisted a roster of ultra-talented international creators and curators to join me on this podcast to talk about how they've charted their individual paths, overcome challenges, and found their true artistic selves. From candid conversations with eminent makers to showcasing exciting up-and-comers across the industries of art, music, fashion, entertainment, literature, and design, we get to illuminate our perspectives, learning from these unique stars within the constellation of global creativity. The Inspirati was created for those seeking inspiration and those seeking to inspire. Thanks for listening. British artist, illustrator and designer Luke Edward Hall has earned many titles. GQ calls him a design phenom. Bright Young Things is Architectural Digest, and my personal favorite, The Young Prince of Interior Design. That last one's from the mouth of the imaginative Richard Christensen of Chandelier Creative, who interviewed Luke at his book launch in New York last winter. In a short five years since launching his creative studio, Luke has become the darling of the design world in London and beyond, Collaborating with hotels like Les Sirenuse in Positano and the Parker in Palm Springs. With fashion brands like Burberry, Lanvin, Stubbs and & Wooten, and Gantt. With the Royal Academy of Arts. With the English National Opera. With legendary London department store Liberty. With renowned Italian porcelain house Richard Ginori, With esteemed auction house Christie's. The list goes on and on. The projects get bigger and bigger. And this year, a beautiful establishment named Hotel Les Deux Gares opened in Paris, Luke's first large-scale interiors project. Luke's aesthetic, which has electrified a global audience, is unexpected. It isn't too cool for school. It isn't 50 shades of beige. It definitely is not minimalist. It is maximalist. Whimsical, eclectic, joyful, theatrical, colorful, romantic. And it provides the eye with an optimism and magic that feels so refreshing, especially right now. I hope this episode provides you with a hearty dose of fantasy and good cheer. Let's head to the English countryside. Hi. Hello. How's life in the Shire? It's good, thank you. It's great. I feel like you've been such a saving grace on Instagram this year. It's just like (laughs) scrolling through doom and gloom and then suddenly it's like, pastoral perfection and the dahlias are in bloom and like
3: i know but i do i do feel a little bit guilty because we you know we've been here but i suppose i mean luckily we you know we we moved here last year um so we kind of did it i mean luckily yeah we sort of did it all
2: you've got like a crystal ball somewhere that's like this is a good moment to move to the country you know, we've
3: got friends i mean fee you know fee she's moved yes. to this, this year and you know we've got other friends that have moved temporarily or like for good out of london but yeah, I'm sort of happy that we we kind of got it all set up last year. And then, you know, we've kind of been able to enjoy it. And yeah, I mean we've been here pretty much full time
2: since March. Wow. So you, you had your exit strategy sort of planned in advance. Yeah. I was scrolling through my photo roll and realizing that it was almost this time last year that I saw you in New York at your book event. Yeah. And came up and was like, I know I have crazy. this train I'd like you to paint <laughs> for a project. And that was it feels like a million years ago. It really? Obviously. Does,
3: I was thinking about that as well. I mean all of that stuff, all my book stuff. It feels like two minutes ago,
2: but also like another lifetime ago. It's weird. It's crazy. It's it's a year for all of us. How how are you guys adapting?
3: I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of been interesting. I think that, you know, with work, I mean, lots of things were cancelled or delayed, but then, uh, you know, other things came up. So, I mean, work's kind of been okay. And I think you know, we, we, we really loved being here in the, in the country, but we, we were only coming up weekends and now we're here all the time and we, we love it. So, you know, and we've kind of decided that even when things get back to normal, we're going to, we're going to sort of base ourselves here. That's great. So, you know, I mean, I must admit it's, it's been, you know, that's been nice, but also we, we do miss London as well. Um, and obviously, you know, we miss, you know, restaurants and museums and all that stuff, but you know, we feel very lucky to be here for sure.
2: And probably a lot of the things that you miss about London aren't even really happening right now. Well, the thing. I mean, it's like, you know, I've got to go
3: next week, but I haven't been, I haven't been for months. And when you're there, it sort of just feels a bit strange anyway. So yeah, um, I
2: think it's definitely nicer to be out here. Absolutely. Well chosen. Well, I want to start with how you grew up. So I grew up in a town called Basingstoke, which is in Hampshire,
3: and had a great childhood you know i loved school and then i went to sixth form college when you know when i was how old uh 16 or whatever 17 well i always knew i wanted to work doing something creative and i wanted to work in art and design and at sixth form college i did um photography and fine art and graphic design and english and german but I hated the English and German, and then right. um, you know I knew I wanted to go to St Martin's from when I was sort of fourteen or something. So I mean, I grew up in a, I grew up. A, I grew up in a town that's a very sort of you know average kind of town. Um, it's in Hampshire. It's basically a sort of um, suburb of London, almost. A lot of people sort of live there and then travel up to London for work. Um, and I grew up okay. kind of going to London a bit, and I um, knew that that's where I wanted to end up. And so you know, I applied for university. I applied to St Martin's, and I went and did
2: a foundation. Yeah. So I moved up when I was like 18. Was that a big difference for you, like moving into the city and, yeah, and the people that you were around and yeah, I, different kind of perspective?
3: My town was like, you know, it's just that kind of suburban, like I had a great time, but it wasn't, you know, not a city and it's not the countryside. So it's sort of like I couldn't wait to kind of get to the city. But I also, you know, I had a really interesting kind of fun, creative group of friends at school who
2: in high school or in yeah in high
3: school in in high school and then sixth form I had a really interesting group of friends who you know my best friend went on and now kind of develops he he kind of reads books and, and turns them into gets them sold and made into his tv series and you know I had a really interesting fun group of friends who have all gone on to do sort of exciting things so I think we kind of found our little like pack of people and then yeah but you know I grew up kind of reading magazines and I knew that was, and you were writing a magazine as well, right? I, was it in high school? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that from the book. I did a, I made like a little fanzine from like age sixteen or something that my friends would contribute to. Um, so that, that's what I mean about having a fun little like kind of group of friends. Like I, I made this magazine, and they and friends like variously did things, sort of writing for it about fashion or like, but in a kind of very tongue in cheek way, or music or whatever. And then my dad would photocopy it. <laughs> And I would give it out your distributor, yeah, he would wouldsco it out at work like a like when no one was around, and then I would give it out, or I sold it for a while when I moved up to London, so yeah, I was always kind of doing funny stuff like that and making things and painting on stuff and selling it and whatever, and then, yeah, and then I arrived in London and started St. Martin's, and really enjoyed it, but was still like not quite sure what I was going to end up doing, and then I kind of discovered like that was the kind of it was like two thousand seven or something. And there was lots of really kind of fun fashion stuff going on then. I lived in East London and there was lots of like that kind of whole kind of East London scene was kind of kicking off. I mean I hate nightclubs and I never really enjoyed that part of it but it was that do you, do you know that, that there was like a phase of like Hoxton and dressing yes. up and like Gareth Pugh and that whole kind of like boomboxy kind of thing. And so it was a really exciting time to sort of move and I got kind of swept up in that fashion thing and ended up starting on a fashion communication degree so kind of I thought maybe I'd work for a magazine. So that was kind okay. of editing and for styling and stuff like that. And then I realized I actually wanted to be designing. So I changed the menswear course, but couldn't start straight away. So I ended up interning with, I, I interned with the fashion director of Dazed for a while. And then I interned at JW Anderson. And then I started my menswear degree. So that was kind of my early
2: days in London. Right. So you thought you were going to go into menswear. Yeah. Well, I did a
3: whole degree. I did I did three years doing menswear at St. Martin's, which I loved. And I loved designing I kind of didn't like making clothes I wasn't very good at sewing or pattern cutting um, but I loved the designing part and the research and the, the development but you know and I enjoyed it I like it was a fun time to be there and you know I, it was good fun but I think when I left I I realized that I, I didn't want to work in fashion and also you know at the same time I was always interested in interiors and antiques as well you know at the same at the same time as I was at St Martin's I was also selling antiques with Duncan my boyfriend and our friend Henny We had an online shop selling antiques. So I kind of was also interested in that. And then when I left, I met an architect and interior designer called Ben Pentreath, really fell in love with his style. And he was looking for someone to come and work for him as an interior designer. And I applied for that and started working for him. So that's kind of how I then ended up getting into interiors.
2: Did you meet Duncan at school? Did I meet Duncan
3: at school? No, I, I met Duncan. He hates the story, but he, him. <laughs> he's not
2: here. He's not here. Fine. He's
3: downstairs <laughs> eating dinner. So I interned with JW Anderson and Duncan had been street cast to be a model in the show. That makes
2: sense. And then
3: I was like in Jonathan's studio off Holloway Road. I couldn't really like I was really bad at sewing and stuff. So I was like, probably I had like a hot glue gun and some Diamond tail or something. <laughs> and then I think we like locked eyes across the room. And this was in my like bleach blonde, like Dr. Martin's tiny, like crop denim shorts era. And I think I sort of looked at him and was like, oh, and then didn't see him again. And then there was the show and he walked in the show, whatever. His one great modeling gig and then we (laughs) met after a party and then we like talked on Facebook. It was like peak Facebook time. So we talked on Facebook for like six months. And then I basically like met him again and
2: then that was it. And now you're engaged. Yeah, I mean, that was 12 years ago, nearly, which is crazy. That's wild. That's wild. Bonkers. Did you guys have, I mean, obviously, if you if you had bleach blonde hair, and you were wearing Doc Martens, you probably had a slightly different aesthetic than you do now. But did you guys have a similar viewpoint on beauty and aesthetics back then? Or is that something that kind of grew together I mean it's weird because I think looking back like at my aesthetic I
3: think there are some things that have never changed like my love of color goes back to like when I was really young but then I do think that of course as you get older you just become more interested in different things I mean you know like I said uh, when I was that age I was really into kind of I mean I still like clothes but I was really into fashion then I was really into I guess more of a kind of Well, no, I mean, but then, you know, but then thinking about it, my final menswear collection was really quite classic and was a lot of kind of like tailoring and and colourful knitwear. And I got a tartan... Woven and that kind of does feel like kind of my vibe now. But I think you know that was twelve years ago, and in twelve years you also grow a lot. And I think Duncan and I like when we got together. No, we probably weren't interested in a lot of the things that we're interested in now. But also like I was Mm -hmm. nineteen, so what do you know when you're nineteen? But you know that like I say, things like color and stuff have stayed with me. But I think we've really been on on a journey together. I think it was really lucky you know to meet someone at that age because if I we you know we often think like now if I met someone you know you'd have so much like preconceived ideas about what you like what you don't like all of that and I absolutely think, you know we've had 12 years to kind of like figure it out together also by ourselves
2: but yeah you know it's definitely been a journey yeah well and it's not. it seems like you both obviously had an incredible growth trajectory ahead of you it's not like either of you was a stick in the mud around any of that kind of stuff so it's so fantastic that you met so young and then could kind of inform each other's yeah creative journeys as you went that's that's wonderful then when did you set up your creative studio I set that up in 2015. So I basically, so I worked for Ben, this interior designer and
3: architect um, for two years. And I had the best time and learned a lot about, uh, well, interior design, really. So, you know, we worked on residential projects here in London and, and in the country. And I learned a lot about just running interior design projects. And that was great fun. But I also always knew that I wanted to kind of do my own thing. So at the same time as working for him, for Ben, I would come home and, you know, I would I would work on fabric designs. And, and I, you know, I also wasn't sure whether I was going to maybe set up a menswear thing or an interior thing but anyway I ended up starting an interior thing I made cushions and did embroidery and whatever and then and I was also drawing at the same time you know I've been I was always drawing but I guess I started putting work up online on Instagram drawings and bits and pieces and eventually I got enough commissions that meant I could set my own thing up so I did that but it took a while I mean I think sometimes now it's like you know I, I always try and offer advice to people when they ask but like it took a long time to to, you know, it, it wasn't overnight. I mean, I was putting a lot of stuff out there and eventually I kind of got enough commission. So my first job was making drawings for the Parker Hotel in Palm Springs. Springs. Yeah, I did a lot of drawings for them for like menus and they made like a guest book and stuff. And it was like 50 drawings or something. So I kind of basically was like, OK, I'm going to quit my job and set something up. And that's what I did.
2: That's so interesting that that's the first place that really connected with your work in Palm Springs, like yeah. across
3: the world well they just got in touch and were like do you want to work on this project you know I I thought it looked great the hotel and you know it was it was a really fun job it was a lot of drawings and it was like my first like proper commission getting paid to do something you know it was great so I set that up in 2015 did that and then and then it kind of snowballed from there really with people getting in touch and doing commissions and collaborations I collaborated with Burberry in 2016 and that was kind of my first proper big collaboration which really opened lots of doors and got my work kind of out there
2: was that studio the one that you were sharing with Fee? I was, I was at that one last year. Was that the first one that you had, or was that a different location?
3: I mean, in terms of setting up my studio, it was kind of a, more of like a a digital. Yeah, so I was working yeah. at home.
2: You weren't like I'm going to go get some real estate right out of the gate. Yeah, exactly. I'll
3: go like no, <laughs> not quite. I would. I basically was working at home, and then my friends have a gallery in Camden, which is where I live in London, and I worked in the back of the gallery and did Fee. So we're kind of old friends from a little bit from St. Martin's, but then we kind of got to know each other more after school. But yeah, so we worked in the back of this gallery for a while. And then and then I found this other studio, which we've been to off of Holloway Road. Right. That one.
2: Yeah, I was kind of peeking around the corner at all of your like incredible, colorful things. And Fee and I were talking about books and like the secret history and all of this shared loved. We were oh. like,
3: who would we cast in the movie? <laughs> oh, my God. My favorite book of all time. A secret
2: It's my favorite book. I actually have you read. There's an article I think Esquire did it that is about the college that Donna Tart went to that she based the whole book on. Oh, Bennington Benedict, or something. Is that what it's called? Yeah, exactly. And and um, she was in the same class as Jonathan Lethem and Brett Easton Ellis, and yeah. they were like this. It it was the book. It was so interesting reading it and being like, oh, this actually happened. I mean, apart from the the murder, apart from the <laughs> murder, yeah they you know, great
3: rituals. But I have some friends who live in Virginia, and I think maybe Donna Tart lives in Virginia. Okay. And they've like seen her at things, and that's like for me, I'm like that is
2: that's more exciting than seeing any celebrity <laughs> or something. I love. Her. Oh, I know. I saw I saw her at a book party that I was DJing, and I just about fell over. She also has this really like, steely look in her eye, and she's very unapproachable and, and fabulous. An amazing style of like white ruffled shirts and severe. Exactly. Um, no, I love that. It's so great. I know. I know. And then you also, you've posted a bit about, about Song of Achilles, which is another favorite book of mine, which really like ripped my heart out while I was reading it two summers know. ago. It's so good. I reread it when I was in Greece on holiday in fact I read I read it in Greece I
3: read too it every it's like a thing I have to do in the summer
2: that's fantastic yeah I feel like that and and call me by your name I kind of like ingested both of them at the same time and had this complete memory of like falling in love for the first time and being so awkward and for some reason I really identified with both of those books yeah so you obviously have built now a career doing such a wide array of of projects from art to interiors and home textiles and fashion. I loved the, the line that you did with Genori. How did that one come about?
3: They got in touch and said, look, do you want to work on a collection? Which is what mm-hmm. happens. That's just generally what happens when people, when I work on, you know, people come up with ideas and then we, we go and speak and, you know, with them. I was already a fan of Genore. I, I thought what they did was amazing. And, you know, I was super excited to meet them. And I went over to their HQ in Florence, where their factory is, which is completely incredible. Have you ever been?
2: I've been to the to the main shop in Florence that has like the back in it. But that's the factory is a little bit outside of the city. Yeah, Next right? time
3: go, it's actually only like 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh, okay. But they have a second shop, which is great, because um, anything that's like slightly has a tiny imperfection goes in this second shop and you can just pick up Oh, amazing um but they also their factory is there and it's incredible it's basically like a small village okay big village actually and it's um where everything you know like a lot of the people who live there work there and it's incredible and they have this you know an amazing history an amazing archive so they were really fun to work with and yeah I loved working on that collection. What What was great with them as well is they were really fastidious about color. I think okay. that they're like one of the only factories or something that they can make these incredible colors. And it took ages for us to kind of get the samples right. But it meant that we ended up with these really bright orange and bright pink pieces of you know, porcelain. So no. I think
2: they might be the oldest porcelain factory in Italy.
3: I think it's probably, yeah. I mean, it's, what is it? Like, I think 6, so. 17 something. Some <laughs> so they've
2: so they've nailed color by now know, which is the perfect collaborator for you obviously. Exactly.
3: and I think at first it was interesting I spoke to them the other day and apparently um who is it I spoke to someone else that's spoken to them and they apparently a lot of people at January at the beginning were like unsure about because I came in and was like I want everything pink and I want everything orange and right they were like oh I don't know about this and apparently quite a few people at January were unsure but everyone's happy now so that's good
2: and you've and you've just done a second collection with them, haven't you? Just like added, or just an extension. Yeah,
3: okay. we just added a few little alarm um, pieces on, which was which was nice. I mean, we were gonna we were going to just sort of launch it at Saloni this year, but that didn't happen. But no, they're really good fun. I'm re- you know, it's really nice. I love doing collaborations because you know my focus. I've I've tried to like make my focus on the artwork, and mm-hmm. I make a few ceramics sometimes, but it's mainly about the artwork. And then you know, it's really fun to collaborate with people that are really good. That that particular thing and then they also can take control of the distribution and all of that so which is you know obviously a really big important thing so it's it's fun working with people to kind of make those things happen
2: it's like the much bigger more professional version of getting your dad to do your photocopy
3: and you're exactly. like you can handle
2: the distribution
3: <laughs> exactly you can do that exactly it's the same thing it's literally the same thing well also it's you know i mean i went through a phase of making plates like printed plates and you know and i was like taking them to the post office and i loved you know obviously that's great but it's just nice to be able to reach wider audiences and also to be able to to, you know to work with their amazing craftsmanship which is something obviously you know they've got they've been doing it since 1760 whatever so it, right. um, it's really great to, to work with these people that have that have the ability to make brilliant things and then i can i can hopefully come in and add something and you know we both we both kind of get things out of it
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: And you've you've just had a new apparel collection come out as well where you didn't have to make the clothes, which was with perfect. Gant, exactly,
3: which again was fun. I mean, you know, I try and choose the people to work with. They have to like speak to me. And I, I think Gantt for me is kind of, on the same kind of you know, Ralph Lauren, Connecticut University thing. And I, I I bought lots of Gantt stuff in the past, mostly vintage things on eBay. And I was really interested to sort of discover more about them. And I went to visit, I went to visit them in Stockholm, which is where they're based now. And to okay. their archive, which is incredible and goes back to the forties. And it's all this amazing American sportswear. Very cool movie by your name. And I just thought it was fantastic. And it was a really fun opportunity for me. I mean, I'd never done any women's wear and, you know, they were like, look, you can just make whatever you want. And we did men's wear, women's wear, some accessories. But again, like working with them who, who have the ability to do the production can, can source all these amazing fabrics. I mean, it was really, really fun. And they were up for all these crazy ideas. I mean, we made this jumper that's in Tarsier with a picture of our cottage on it and a cow and Merlin, our it.
2: I'm in love with Merlin, by the way. Well, I mean, I'm we're all besotted in with Merlin. <laughs> he's absolute
3: heaven. <laughs> is he well behaved? Yes, he is well behaved. He can be a little bit naughty. I mean, he he I mean, what's really sweet, because a lot of people said Whippets can be quite shy, and he's the opposite right. I mean he loves people and he loves other dogs. And whenever anyone comes over, he gets super excited. So he's quite jumpy, but then once he's like sussed you and he'll he'll calm down and he'll go to sleep on the sofa. But he's like not a he's the sweetest dog, he's not aggressive, he's never barked. He's just super sweet and so loving. And yeah, I mean it's just lovely.
2: It's so nice that you now have a jumper that's like a, a time capsule of this moment in your lives too, with like the new puppy and the home and all of that. That's such a nice memory. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and then obviously you've just had a, a hotel open in Paris this year that you designed, which is a massive project. What was what was that like with that fabulous tortoiseshell ceiling in the in the bistro? Oh yeah. That was really fun. I mean, I'm a big hotel fan. Like I love hotels as
3: a lot of people do but I love you know I was thinking about this the other day actually I mean what I love about a good hotel is one that you kind of go into and it's everything's been considered I mean I feel like Mm -hmm. a good hotel you you kind of step across into it and it's like entering another universe I mean it doesn't always have to be like that sometimes a hotel is just somewhere to stay but but when you when you're looking for that thing and you need that thing it's it's a good hotel is an amazing thing when it's done properly And I think it also, you know, it kind of ties together a lot of my different interests. So, for example, working on this project, I was doing the interiors, but I was also doing the art direction. So I got to work on the logos and the branding and the uniforms and all of that other stuff. And and because I've always been really interested, not just in interiors, but fashion and graphic design and typography and all of that, a hotel is kind of such a dream project because it kind of brings all of that stuff together. So it was great. I mean, it was such a fun project. Love Paris. Loved working on it. Lovely people. Again, I had so much freedom and they were really open to all these crazy ideas like the tortoiseshell ceiling and the bistro. And, you know, there's so much color and pattern going on in the hotel, but people seem to be enjoying it. I mean, it's a bit of a tricky time to be opening a hotel, but, you know, I'm hoping that eventually it's all going to, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll even out. And the cafe, the bistro is great. They've got an incredible chef there and it's just
2: won some kind
3: of award for like best bistro newcomer thing. So that's great. And yeah, it was really fun.
2: Had you ever done a full place like that? No,
3: I mean I've hardly even done any. I've not really even done any houses. So. Right. I mean, like a
2: mural here or like a, an area. Yeah, like I've done a
3: couple. I've done a couple of, of pop up things. Like I did a pop up restaurant at Masterpiece the fair and you know I designed a shop at Bista Village which is kind of near us here one a few years ago and I'd done like bits and pieces but this was a real mm-hmm. I mean I had to hire an architect and you know I, I worked with um, an amazing graphic designer who designed my book to do work on the branding and I was working with the architects in, in France and it was it was a much kind of bigger scale thing definitely absolutely but I learned a lot. And I think, you know, it's kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I think that that would be a fun thing to continue doing. I'd love to do some more hospitality projects because, as you know, you know, I love to travel. I love restaurants like I love hotels. I think it would be really fun to do more of those projects. So we'll see.
2: For sure. Yeah. And there's, there's also something so magical about walking into a place, you know, obviously the Bloomsbury group have Charleston house or like Jean Cocteau's, uh, the Villa Santa Suspire, which I've been dying to go to and like going into a place that is all one person's view on the world just is something that ends up staying in the walls and being so important for anyone who's interested in in that perspective later on. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that's how it felt. I mean, it was uh, working at the hotel. I mean, you know here at home we kind of create your entire universe but with a hotel it's it's or a restaurant or something like that it's it's you know people can visit it that's all but also the whole point of it is it's supposed to be even more theatrical than your home you know so we could really go for it with it with the bright colors and all of this crazy stuff because it's you know the point of it is you, you visit for a few days but you know when when we were just about to photograph it I was Choosing final things, like buying stuff at the market, also painting pictures to hang on the wall, like making sure the cutlery was right. It was just really fun to be able to get involved with all of those different areas of it. So yeah. So hopefully, you know, eventually people will be able to go. Yeah. (laughs) Fingers crossed.
2: And and not a lot of people would be able to pull that off. I mean, that I think that's the most incredible thing with you is that there's this juxtaposition of your work, which is very whimsical and colorful and lighthearted but then you also have this incredible work ethic where you're so prolific and you're working on so many things at a time and even just the idea of taking on you know a hotel in which you're not just doing the design and all of the branding but then painting the things that are going on the walls like that's that's incredible where where do you think that work ethic comes from
3: well I mean I don't know I think I've always love working I mean you know luckily yeah. I mean I think you know for, for what I do for what you do for a lot of the people we know is do we you know we're just very lucky because it doesn't really feel like work you know
2: yeah it's just yeah it's
3: it's the stuff that we love I love I love art I love drawing I love painting I love creating interiors so I can't really complain about you know I, I it's it's just great fun but I think you know like I was saying about making that magazine when I was in my uh, when I was a teenager I've always wanted to make things and sell things and mm-hmm. and produce things. And I think it's it's just it seems quite it's very natural to me. And I'm I love being busy and having lots. So I mean at times in the past as well I thought, you know, I need to focus probably on one thing and not have so many different things going on. And and you know, maybe that's true, but actually I really enjoy it. I'm really lucky to have all these different things come up. And my problem is, is that someone says, do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds fun. And then someone else says, do you want to do this? And that sounds <laughs> more fun. And then it's just like, suddenly I've got all these things going on. But also, you know, I look back to the people that I'm inspired by, like Cecil Beaton, the Bloomsbury Group. You know, mm-hmm. these people didn't limit themselves to one particular thing. And, you know, actually, oh, and obviously now we're in the era of like, you know, you kind of do this, you do that. Like lots of people have lots of stuff going on. But actually, you know, that's been the way for, a long time and when I look back to the 30s and the 20s and 30s and you know Beaton who was a obviously a brilliant photographer but was also doing set design and costumes and writing and you know illustration like I have to remember that those are the people that I look up to and that it's okay to want to do lots of different stuff and that's what I'm going to continue doing I think I mean I don't have a plan you know that's that's a slight thing as well but I think you know I'm just going to kind of continue and see 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 how it goes really
2: well, now you're so well known for your work that I'm sure people probably come to you only if there is a through line there that makes sense. I'm sure. I mean, do you ever have anybody come to you and go, well, we love this, but like, can you do it in beige <laughs> or like something completely off? <laughs> well,
3: you know, I mean, that's, I think why I'm, you know, I've been quite lucky because I think people know know now what they're getting. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun because I think people come to me if they want something, if they want to do something colourful and unexpected yeah. I think with the Paris hotel people you know they already had a few hotels in Paris and I think they were ready to do something different and that's the right. best kind of project best kind of collaboration because it's like you know you know you, you know what you're going to get and we, can, we you know I have to be on the same page with people to work on projects because there's no point if it's I mean the whole point of a collaboration is that you kind of both bring ideas together and yeah but 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 generally I think you have you have to be on the same page otherwise isn't it?
2: yeah you can't be like we're painting a wall and they're like we can't do it no, like <laughs>
3: you know, I mean I'm also I mean I'm not too stressed about like you know I think it's always gonna be a bit of back and forth, but generally you know mm-hmm. if you if you're gonna work with me, you're gonna have to expect bright color and pattern and I'm um, pretty maximalist approach I guess
2: have you ever painted a wall and been like oh no what did it, what is that color <laughs> I've done that that's why yeah no
3: absolutely we did it at home we did we really painted our living room our whole living room it was dark green for ages and then we we thought we wanted to do pink but it was that whole like peak millennial pink thing and I was right and it's annoying because I was you know I love pink and I was so sick of that thing and I was like no it can't be pale pink it has to be something different so we painted it like pepto-bismol pink, really bright oh. pink. And then and we were like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. And then it went up and it was so intense. It was like being a high highlighter. It was so bright, so horrible. especially. How my-
2: long did you make yourselves live with
3: it? Oh, like three days. And then we were like, we can't. Oh, we just... <laughs> We can't take it any longer. And at at nighttime with the lights on, the kind of effect was so weird and spooky. So we changed it.
2: (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) I painted a wall like this really dark turquoise one time and it didn't work because the painter messed it up and there was like a bit of sheen in it. Yeah, It was like, it was very strange. And then I I had committed to it. So I felt like I had to live with it for six months. But in retrospect, maybe I'll just do what you did next time and... What did you end up painting it to afterwards? We painted the pink. We just painted it. <laughs> like pink. I mean, we wanted pink. It was like definitely going to be pink. It had to be pink. Right. But
3: it was this particular shade with some. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I think people often, like when I was working for, for Ben and, you know, and, and even, even now, I think people are often quite afraid of color. And it's like, like, obviously, it's a pain to paint over. And if you're paying someone to do it, it's an annoying thing to have to repay to pay a game for. But actually, like, it's not the end of the world. If you choose the wrong color, you just paint over it. It's like right. the worst things and you just have to suck it up.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the the attitude you have in your Financial Times column too. It's like the perfect blend of like tips with distaste for orchids and all of that. I was reading through some of the titles recently and it was garden ornaments, Roman statues, yes, painted owls, no. And I was like, that's <laughs> so, all of it is so perfect.
3: It's so fu- I mean, it's really funny doing the column. I mean, I'd never really thought... I like writing a lot. I mean, I used to have a blog and I used to write quite a lot and I really enjoy writing, but obviously I'd never thought about doing it properly. And then I got offered the column and it was sort of like, well, I guess you don't really say no to that. And it was, you know, now an at the beginning, I was sort of terrified and I am still quite terrified of writing it, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it now. And, and, you know, the way I kind of think of it is like, I try to get a nice balance of it being a little bit funny, hopefully informative, not snooty. Like, I think, you know, obviously everyone wants a bit of like sass in a kind of column, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's not supposed to be snooty. It's supposed to be welcoming and inclusive and like to give nice advice so I hope that comes across and you know and my my like whole vibe with it is I'm enjoying it for as long as it lasts and it's really fun and it exercises a different part of my brain and it's just a you know it's a fun kind of constant thing in my life now I write it every week and it's enjoyable
2: and sometimes like regular deadlines are really great too like when everything else is in flux and changing and the projects are always new I'm sure it's probably nice just to have some form of regularity and all of that yeah Especially, you know, yeah, this year, I mean, you know, when everything has been like all over the place,
3: knowing luckily, like, I'm, you know, I feel very lucky to have it knowing that I can, I I had that every week to work on and, and to do and, and, you know, and it's really sweet. I mean, you know, you get people, I get people writing and asking questions, or just kind of commenting on the articles. And it's so lovely to kind of have that connection with people just knowing that, you know, someone, the other side of the world is reading it is such a bizarre and amazing thing.
2: That's lovely. So as you were saying before, you know, you're focusing on the art side of your career and then having all of these collaborations come up. How do you balance that work and and what's that? How do those things interact for you?
3: I mean, it just kind of depends on what's going on. I think definitely I, I want to focus on the drawing and painting, but also the interiors. Mm-hmm. But also with a few little collaborations. I mean, I did quite a few. I, I did quite a few collaborations, like in the last few years, and I'm really happy with all the ones I did. But I think it's really exciting when when people want to work with you. And I I think I I wanted I wanted to, I, I want to do them. Um, I think perhaps I might not do so many for a little while and focus on other things. I mean, it is tough sometimes to get the right balance of stuff. And you know, I mean, I'm quite organized, but even though it's really fun to have lots going on. It is that, you know, you do have to be quite, well, organized. So, you know, at the moment, for example, I'm working on an exhibition that's going to open in January. So I'm really focusing on getting my, on getting stuff ready for that. Mm-hmm. But then there are a couple of interior jobs that are kind of, we're kind of organizing and sorting out at the moment, but they're not, they they haven't started up properly. So I'm able to focus on the artwork. You know, things kind of just fall into place.
2: Where will the exhibition be? In
3: Athens. Oh, wow. Which is cool, really exciting because... You know, I have a lot of Greek influence in my work, Greek and Roman. And I was in Hydra on holiday in August and a gallery wrote to me from Athens and they came over for the day on a ferry and we had a chat. And yeah, so I'm really excited about doing something in Greece.
2: You were there reading Song of Achilles and during <laughs> exactly. your vacation, and this all turned into something. I'd imagine that's a big site of inspiration for you as a as a country.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm really into myths and folklore and legends, lots of different kind of um types. I mean English folklore and Norwegian and whatever, but Greek and Roman has always been a big fascination of mine ever since I was a child. And the myths I've always loved. I've always loved the myths. And and then working for Ben, who's a classical architect, mm-hmm. I then learned more about classical architecture. And that kind of, you know, which obviously has Greek origins and, and that kind of those things kind of fuse together. And I think when I first started drawing again after being at university, that kind of classical influence came through and I was remembering lots of stuff from my childhood and, and and also when I was, you know, and it's just a great mine of imagery. I mean, that's why so many artists have gone back to the myths, like Picasso and Cocteau and like the imagery is so fantastic. There's so much amazing stuff to draw upon. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's always, that's kind of been present in my work for like quite a few years now. And so, you know, it's really exciting to, to actually go and do something in Greece and they wanted it to have
2: a very strong Greek Feeling about it, so so that's nice. So I'm really looking forward to that. Do you remember what initially attracted you to Greek mythology? Well, I think it's the, I think it's the imagery.
3: You know, like I was saying, I, yeah. I think that. Well, I think you know. I also, I'm really obsessed with kind of magic and fantasy and theater, yeah. and the, the the myths are just like full of it. Like it's love and death and and magic and crazy animals and amazing landscapes. And I think they're just such wonderful stories that you know, for a child, you grow up and they're still amazing. I mean, you know, I still read them. And so I think, yeah, it's that kind of love of the magic, magic, and but also, you know, as a gay person growing up, there's a kind of a lot of gay stuff going on in these myths and legends. Yeah. And so you know, that's also like you're kind of fascinating, and you, when you're a teenager and you're working stuff out and you're reading these myths, and, so that's definitely been a big part of it too—the kind of um, the sort of fascination with them.
2: And sort of interesting that you could take a. Source of literature that's that ancient and find yourself in it exactly maybe even more easily than something contemporary exactly and I also love that
3: idea as, as well as I like that idea of taking something ancient and interpreting it in a contemporary way and it's the same as like another yes. Achilles or so, you know it's it's an an ancient story who quite knows but Madeline Miller made it her own and. Right, made this story and it felt you know it feels like it it's it's a timeless story that she's created and you know the same when you look at Cocteau's drawings of Orpheus or whatever like I just love that idea of, of taking something in and interpreting it in your own way and it becomes your own story um, and your own telling of it whether it's a drawing or a novel.
2: And it's interesting even just with Cecil Beaton and the bright young things it's sort of like a contemporary mythology that sort of era between the wars when everybody was just looking for joy and glamour and there's this youth culture that i guess at the time was a little bit more counterculture than it is today but well, exactly. it's those moments throughout history where kind of, it's interesting cuz we're kind of in one again where there's this dark moment happening and i think that art kind of at any time gives us guidelines for processing our reality but especially in those times when things are really challenging having sources of play and fantasy and romance and optimism yeah. it's its so necessary
3: yeah and I think that's why I go back to that kind of period so much just because you know those people in their 20s you know they were coming out of um the first world war and there was this yeah real kind of explosion of creativity yeah and and magic and romance and and I I so love reading about that period and those that kind of cast of characters particularly the kind of bright young things and 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 also like you know I mean I think they sometimes they're a bit of maybe a bit not they're sort of seen as a bit of a joke but there were obviously key characters as well that were artists making stuff in their own right Beaton and Rex Whistler and M- Messel and all of those people but yeah I mean it's also funny I mean Stephen Tennant one of the kind of key characters what a
2: character
3: yeah but like you know he was wearing football shirts and earrings and i mean that's feels like you know that's what people are doing now but that was happening in the 20s um and so you know
2: he got like super reclusive at different phases too i was reading this thing about him where he like went for a drive with a friend and he was so worried about getting giddy over the scenery that he asked to be blindfolded he's like such a completely fascinating character I like, there's an
3: amazing biography called Serious Pleasures about him. It's just completely fantastic. One of my favorite books. I got kind of weirdly obsessed with like sourcing any memorabilia to do with him. So I, the other okay. day, I bought, I bought one of his Fortnum and Mason bills.
2: Wow. That must be fascinating.
3: Buying, it's, just, it's like a Christmas bill. So he's buying three hampers and like a jar of pickled pears or something.
2: And like mauve hair dye or something. Cause I think that he had
3: like. So funny. Yeah. Later on, he had like candy floss hair.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because the end of World War One was also the Spanish flu, which was the last major pandemic. And I didn't realize how many artists were taken during that time, too. I was reading about in, in Vienna, uh, Gustav Klimt and Egon Schiele both died of Spanish flu, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Your your work is always a really wonderful dose of, of color and optimism. But I think especially right now, it's it's really wonderful to, to have it as as a vantage point for us to kind of dip into when we, we need some relief.
3: I hope so. I mean, I think that's the kind of point of my work is to offer a kind of sense of optimism and joy and playfulness and hope. And, you know, I mean, every, you know, you throw around those words all the time, but I do think that that's what I want it to be. I want, you know, to be bright in it, especially. And, and that's what we do need at this moment, particularly. And for it to be a, sort of something fantastical, I hope, um, whether it's a drawing or an interior or a vase. I hope that there's a sort of common thread through all of my bits and pieces.
2: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Pleasure. And, uh, and for all the optimism you bring for all of us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And that, beautiful people, concludes this episode of The Inspirati. I hope you picked up some inspiration to take into your day. Please rate, review, subscribe, and leave a comment if you're enjoying these conversations. You can follow The Inspirati on Instagram or find me at alex.merrill. Stay inspired and keep creating. The world needs it more than ever.